If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. Today on the show, I'm joined by fellow Marine and Veterans and Residence alumni, Harrison Floyd, founder of Commonwealth Holdings, a consulting firm that helps veteran-owned small businesses and other underrepresented groups increase their footprint in the international marketplace, particularly around digital currency. I met Harrison a few months back when he first onboarded as part of the Veterans and Residence DC cohort and also had a chance to reconnect with them again during the Breaking Bears and Entrepreneurship Workshop series, where I teach marketing and branding. Coming fresh off the latest workshop, I thought it'd be a good idea to get Harrison on the show, not only to talk about Commonwealth's holdings and his military transition into entrepreneurship, but also answer some of his questions around marketing and branding. In particular, where he should focus the brunt of his efforts to drive revenue. In the early stages of a venture, it's so easy to get pulled in multiple directions. But the one thing I've learned over the years is the importance of focusing on the 20% of effort that drives 80% of the results. There's a ton of value in this episode, so be prepared to get out some pen and paper and take some notes. Before you hear from Harrison and I, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I send out a newsletter at least once a week sharing the latest episode of The Transition, and if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Harrison, welcome to the bunker. What's going on, brother? Not much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I jumped on the squad cast and I see Harrison here in a suit. I was just on a workshop with him. So I'm like, why you put a suit on? And uh, he, he he said it's his first time like doing a podcast. So he wanted to get his confidence up. That's right. He's got the got the nice little pocket square and everything. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Too kind. So Harrison is a fellow devil dog. What uh what was your MOS? O three thirty one. I was a machine gunner, East Coast. All right. I was an infantry officer with one eight, and I was a cat platoon commander. Two eight. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So Harrison and I are just coming out of one of the breaking bears in entrepreneurship workshops. And uh, I want to get him on here because I just delivered a class on marketing and branding. So I do these workshops. I teach the marketing and branding section. And I figured this would be a good opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about your company, Harrison. And then also just dive into some questions that you were having based off of the conversation we just came out of. Yeah, great. So uh, my company is called Commonwealth. Uh, it is an investment incubator. And what we focus on is helping our clients enter into the cryptocurrency and digital asset market space, mitigating as much risk as possible. Um, most people uh, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, minorities and uh, veterans uh, don't come from backgrounds where, you know, they have $10,000 liquid cash to invest. Right. And so how do you gain early stage entry into 
any marketplace, right? Um, so that's what we focus on is helping people, even if it's just starting with a dollar to uh, begin investing, whether it's in cryptocurrency, digital assets or um, other spaces. We love veterans and minorities in particular. Where did you come up with the idea for this? And how did you know that there was a market need, i.e. that you could monetize your business? Oh, great question. So uh, it was actually a pivot. Originally, the goal was to help veteran-owned businesses expand into international markets because we saw there was such a huge barrier. While veteran-owned businesses make up almost 10% of our country's GDP, we're just not uh, exporting globally. And so in looking and researching what were different ways that uh, veterans and minorities, because I'm both, uh, could get into the space. One thing that I noticed was there's a huge, gra- huge gap in the cryptocurrency and digital asset space. Uh, 90% of the world is already involved in using cryptocurrency and digital assets. China has the DigiWan, and I think it's uh, uh, El Salvador or Venezuela has already moved to, to Bitcoin, right? And in the United States, we're just now starting. Last year, uh, there was over uh, $500 billion worth of transactions in cryptocurrency. The U.S. only made up of about $2,000 worth of that. This year, uh, there's been, I'm sorry, 2021, there's been over $10 million. That's, uh, I'm sorry, $10 billion. So it went from $500 million to $10 billion in one year. And the United States is still last. And so in seeing that gap, the thought was, wow, veteran-owned businesses and minorities can become leaders by uh, being, you know, first uh, early adapters of cryptocurrency and digital assets using it either in their businesses or personally. That's interesting. And we're going to talk about this when we start talking about, you know, some of your questions on marketing and uh, branding. But even just hearing you say that, it sounds to me like you should be targeting that 10%. You know, because one of my where my mind starts going is there's a lot of underserved communities out there. And sometimes, though, when people try to monetize these unserved, underserved communities, they don't necessarily have the funding to cover their cost of goods or services. And so it's important to just kind of be aware of that. But you said a good point. You're like, hey, there are 10 percent of our GDP is coming from veteran owned businesses. So who are those hitters? Who are the businesses that are driving revenue that could benefit? From uh, what yeah, you guys $1.2 trillion is what veteran-owned businesses generated in 2020. That is essentially like the last stimulus uh, or the, the plan that Joe Biden wanted to put uh, together. What he ended up getting was $1.2 trillion. That's what veteran-owned businesses make. If every veteran-owned business said, I'm not working anymore, I'm not making any money, our country would go into a recession. Got it. So here's what we're going to do. Before we start answering some questions, I got to have you take off your armor for our listeners. So all our guests come on and we take off our armor and we get open and honest about what we're struggling with in our businesses, either personally or professionally. And if you want me to, I can go okay. first. Yeah, you want to go first so I can oh, wrap that so I can see it first. Yeah, yeah, you want me to go first? Okay, I'm going to take off my armor. Something I'm struggling with now is I run two ventures, Ironbound Boxing and Ironbound Media. So one is a nonprofit here in Newark, New Jersey. The other one is my podcast production agency. And so just making sure I'm moving both forward because it does require left side of brain and right side of brain on both. You know, so I'm struggling with that currently. And I kind of have been pretty much during the pandemic just because I'm, I feel so busy now. But what I will say is I've reached a point on my for-profit side of the house where I can start passing some of the load over on the for-profit to help me help carry some of the weight. So 
really, I guess my my struggle, which I haven't done the best job at before on the nonprofit side of the house, is building systems and processes to make stuff run like a world oil machine machine because nonprofit is very scrappy. You're like hustling, you know, and I do boxing for inner city kids out here in Newark and whatever. And on the, the Ironbound Media side, House of For-Profit, you know, um, it's just a little bit easier. But what I am able to do, I'm just becoming such a better entrepreneur that now it's time for me to basically mimic a lot of the systems and stuff I built at Ironbound Media within Ironbound Oh, Wars. wow. We're very similar. I'm working on two projects as well. I have Commonwealth and then there's also Bright News, which is a platform to help black academics, intellectuals, um, and activists have a voice and not be censored on social media platform or their uh, articles, whatever can be published and not be taken down. And so I'm having some of the similar problems with those or in those early stages, you know, getting on the bike and pedaling, right. And get it to that cruising place. Like I, I totally get what you mean. there. And for me, it's more show about how I'm showing up to social media. How am I, you know, what head am I wearing when I'm talking? Because, you know, people follow me mainly for Ironbound Boxing. And I feel guilty sometimes when I'm talking about branding and marketing and Ironbound Media, et cetera. So, but maybe it's all in my head. I'm just sharing with y'all being vulnerable. And I wanted to set Harrison up. So, Harrison, so how about you? taking off my armor, um, the biggest hurdle that I'm trying to overcome right now would be uh, two things. One, not only building a team, because I have uh, people on both projects that I'm working with. But uh, in building it bigger, but also keeping everyone focused, right, in that specific lane where we're generating revenue or we're accomplishing the mission. And um, the other big thing would definitely be with marketing. How are we going to, you know, we're still very early stage. How are we going to um, broadcast or project to people um, not only what it is that we can do for them, but also who we are because we're so new to the space and cryptocurrency and digital assets are an emerging uh, marketplace. So it's, that's really, really difficult and, you know, hard to when when you're looking introspectively like, OK, how am I not only defining myself for someone else and, you know, creating that perspective, but also like letting them know what I can do for you. Marketing is something that we just don't do the best job of covering in our community. Like, again, you I've done God knows how many incubators and accelerators, you know, particularly ones catered towards better known businesses. And it's like the, the marketing is just like one component. You know, we spend all this time like pitching and everything. But it's like, what are the step by step process you're doing to like drive revenue, i.e. fill a sales funnel and then close those people? And then just like I said in our workshop, well, you know, marketing and sales should go hand in hand in the early stages. You know, for a lot of small business owners, the CEO is the chief rainmaker. You know, he's the one that's closing the deals. But if you try to uh, apply like more of a startup mentality to a small business, when you really you need to get cash flow positive like today, you know, you start not focusing on activities that are going to drive the most growth in your business, which is closing deals, putting money in a bank account, et cetera. So let's do this. OK, I know you've got some questions. I also want to acknowledge that Harrison was a member of our veterans and residents. Yes, out in sir, DC. I was. I was with uh, Anton Voyager Coffee. I think you guys went to the Naval Academy together. We did. I was Anton was my team captain at the Naval Academy. Great guy and uh, just small world. I love seeing so many veterans within my own personal network start to find their way to Bunker Labs and engage in these programs. So I'm glad you were able to be in the VIR. And uh, get plugged into yeah, the man, ecosystem. It's, it's so great. It's one of the most beneficial things that uh, I've done. I was a part of 
2017 Yale's Emerging Leaders Program. And then I, uh, before I got into the Veteran Residence Program, I did the uh, Entrepreneur Acceleration Program at Wharton. And very, very high class, high quality. It was, it did more for me in terms of networking connections than any of those other programs for sure. I just want to take a moment. I didn't want to say nothing before, but Harrison said he was a machine gunner. So I'm assuming that he like played high school football, could chew bubble gum, and was at boot camp, and somebody was like, you're going to be a machine gunner. Because if you can't read and write and can barely talk, they throw you into the grunts. I'm just being funny, but no, it's partly true. It's partly true. But you said intellectuals. You're talking about Yale. Then you're talking about being at Warden. Like, you're not – you know, you're pretty smart. My well, brother. I think uh, I'm I'm not the smartest, uh, uh, you know, uh, person in the room. I never want to be because um, then you're not being challenged. But I definitely think that if you don't at least strive to achieve, you know, bigger and better things, if you don't shoot for the moon, um, at least if you fail, you land amongst the stars. And I definitely learned that in the Marine Corps, especially the Marine Corps infantry, is that when you hesitate or you fail to pull the trigger, that's more than likely when something bad happens. If you, you know, can pull the trigger and keep shooting, moving and communicating, that's when you at least have the opportunity to stay alive and stay afloat. And so anything that I've done since transitioning from the military, I've always tried to shoot as high as I can. And they tell me no, then what's the worst thing that happened? You know, they told me no. But they say yes, then all right. They said yes, let's get it, right? So that that's just the mentality I've been just trying to stay with. And if I can do it, then anybody can do it. That's for damn sure. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, there is a stigma sometimes with these entrepreneur programs about how it's like, oh, all these officers, where are they enlisted? You know, Um, and so I just think it's great that you're a testament to the enlisted ranks, you know, not only coming here within Bunker Labs, but pursuing your own entrepreneurial endeavors outside of the bunker, you know, with Yale and Warden. I think you're really kind of setting the tone. So I just want you to know that. I appreciate you. Everything that you're doing, you're you're a role model example for me, you know, and a lot of other people. We're all looking to you for that guidance and that experience in terms of moving into this new space. Becoming an entrepreneur is a very uh, scary thing, not just to, one, do it, but also to pivot from another business or venture that you had that may or may not have been successful, right? And then just keep going on that journey and fighting for success, you know? Half the battle is staying alive in the early years. The more you stay alive, you become a survivalist, you know? Like, you start, you know, you start turning uh, uh, sticks into weapons and everything else. You just get sharper. So I know you've got some questions, right? So you got this Commonwealth Holdings. You're interested in helping uh, underserved communities and veterans leverage crypto and some of these new technology assets, right? Talk to us about some of the struggles you're having. And then what questions? Yeah, so um, you you hit on this already. Um, Like you, I've been through a couple different programs and I've noticed the same thing is always, you know, they tee you up from the beginning with telling you this is what to do, but nobody, you know, you have that entry stage and then you have the vision of what, you know, the end goal is, but it's that middle part that I think a lot of folks have trouble with. And um, for for me right now, a big big hurdle is, is trying to figure out how, how do I do this? Like I've been given all these templates. I've sat through hours of classes, right? I've been told what I, what the, the theory, the idea, you know, maybe from an academic standpoint of what's right. But, you know, once you um, get to it, like, you know, in the Marine Corps grass week, when you have to snap in, right, and do practical application, 
you start to realize some things may or may not fit for you, something, you know what I mean? And so um, the, the first question that I have is, what do you think is that first big initial step that once you exit out of an incubator, you know, once you don't have someone that you can, you, I don't want to say call or I don't want to say you're on your own, um, but when, you, when you're really doing it, what's the first, you know, big thing that you think that you need to be doing? You mentioned sales and marketing go hand in hand. Um, so if I have a little bit of capital, wh- where should I be shifting, you know, a bulk of that into? Is it, is it marketing to generate more capital? Is it sales? Or what do you think is that best first step? So my first question to you is, have you validated yes. your business model yet? And how many paying right customers now, do you have? Um, so we have a couple of different clients uh, doing, I've, I've cross-pollinated probably um, between two different things that I shouldn't have, should have probably kept them separate. But uh, we have about 12 clients right now, do, separately paying us separately. So 12 clients at a sustainable revenue? So is this like yes. sustainable, like enough revenue, like pay your bills, et cetera? Yes. Yeah, so right now we're projecting... So I pivoted the business in the middle of uh, the last Bunker Labs cohort. Uh, so we've only been really running this way for about three or four months. And we're projecting just this year, if everything stays the same, we'll do $63,000. Um, but that's just off the clients that we already have. That's not adding anybody in. That's okay, though. That's real revenue, you know? And a lot of times in the early stages, you know, you got a lot of entrepreneurs out there hooking and jabbing, but they're not having any money in the bank account. Sure. So the fact that you were able to generate revenue it's good. Okay. Now in a previous podcast I did with Michelle Warner, uh, we talked about the five stages of small business growth. So stage one is validate. So you come out of that incubator and accelerator program, you're all fired up. Then you're alone in your apartment or your house. And it's like, guess what? We got to get to work. Your sole focus at that stage is just validating, getting money in the bank account, using that time to also refine your messaging and your positioning based off of what's working and what's not working. So clearly, if you're closing deals and you're putting money in a bank account, there's things that resonated with people to allow you to do that. Then the next stage you want to focus on is now that we've validated the business model, how can we get some more predictable revenue? So how do we go from, like you say, 63000 to 150 and then 150 to like 500000 And this is where you really start to hone in and start to build out your processes in order to make that happen. So. You just brought up a good question about, okay, where do I start investing that money? I have come to believe that marketing is a lot more important than people realize because the whole purpose of marketing is to set you up with high quality, predisposed to do business with you leads, i.e. people who are ready to spend money. And what you want to do is you want to have your marketing targeted, not at general awareness. Your marketing is targeted at a specific individual or a group of people that have the problem your company is positioned to solve, right? So you just said that you're targeting, you know, veterans and underserved communities to get into uh, these new digital assets, et cetera, digital currency. 10%, like you said, at GDP. So what you should be focusing on is based off of who your perfect customer is, and this is going to be someone that likes you, is willing to pay you a premium for your product or service, tell everyone how amazing you are, and again, that you enjoy being around, that there's a good fit. You all share the same values, right? So what are you doing to build relationships and engage with these people? 
And that's where you're going to be focusing the majority of your marketing effort. So if you're using social media, right, you only need to be posting and creating content where they are and engaging with them where they are. So it doesn't make any sense to hire someone to do TikTok videos if your perfect customer isn't on TikTok. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It does. Absolutely. Um, so I think part of the thing is like you should be mining. And what I mean by mining, like you use Bitcoin. So I'm sure you like y'all use that stuff. Yeah. But seriously, like, can you create a target list of like ideal customers for you? And, you know, like a dream 100. These are like, you know, there's some long shots on there, too. But these are people that you're like, hey, I feel like we are the best qualified to help this group of people. And then you start to reverse engineer your marketing about how do I start to build relationships with these people? How do I start to get to know these people? And then how do I have a process to convert them from, you know, high uh, prospects into paying customers? Right. Okay. That makes total sense. So once I've identified, you know, my perfect customer avatar and I identified where they are, um, I'm wondering what platforms you think are best in a customer acquisition strategy or marketing strategy. Obviously, with marketing, we know like social media is what a lot of people are going to. But um, I'm wondering either internally or externally, like, you know, you have QuickBooks, you have, was it Intuit, you have uh, Practice Ignition, all these different platforms that always say, I can do connect your email with your sales and all this. What, what do you think is the best process or approach for, you know, early stage um, entrepreneurs? Talking to people, get away from the technology. That's the thing we keep. We, we're so quick to hide behind technology. You want to look people in the eye. You want to start talking to people, you know? And the thing is like, you don't want to, you're not a growth hacker, right? You're not these guys that just spam people's inbox, et cetera. What you want to start looking for are opportunities based off of relationships with people who already have a reason to know, like, and trust you. So like you're a Marine, go talk to other Marine business owners, you know, start there. You've got the business leagues and all that other stuff. That's one aspect of it. You know, reach out to people on their preferred channels, you know, and just say, Hey, my name is Harrison Floyd, former Marine. You know, I would love to, uh, you know, talk to you about something I'm working on if you're interested you know, but don't even make it about business. Just start by connecting with people. That's the other thing. I think sometimes when we connect with people, we want to go straight to, I want to sell you. I want to close you or whatever. But start like, I mean, you just mentioned Yale. You mentioned Warden, right? There's all these different spaces that you're moving in that you have relationships with. Start looking in there and seeing who it makes sense to connect with. Okay. Um, so totally makes sense because one of the people who I'm like, talking about partnering right now is a Marine from New York life and he wants to get into crypto. So that makes, I don't know why I didn't think of that before. Um, so branding, um, going back to that is incredibly important. And I think that the best branding you have, the more premium it is, the better it looks. Um, you know, obviously the more inclined a potential customer someone would be to solicit your services. Um, have you found a mode method or strategy in terms of branding that you think works best to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I think being military, we have a hard time selling ourselves, right? Uh, I think because of our time and service, but it's, you have to do it in business. So, um, do you think that 
it's better branding wise to let somebody else do the selling for you in terms of branding, logo design and all that. And you just give them the input or how, how involved or engaged should you be with building, you know, the, the, the visual designs and those cues. I'm glad you asked this question. Cause I think a lot of our listeners are going to benefit from this for early stage founders. You're focusing on the wrong thing. The logos, the looks, all of that stuff is important, but nothing is more important than figuring out who your perfect customer is and letting that build your brand identity, you know? And like for now, right? Like again, you're, you're, you're just a new company, Commonwealth Holdings, right? right. So you no, there's no reason people have to know, like, and trust you yet, right. but you know who they do know, like, and trust Marines, Yale grads, warden entrepreneurship programs you know and let that be the brand that you're able to leverage and borrow and as you start closing deals and onboard more clients use the feedback from the clients to start building your brand you know you're a small business owner right your brand is about your experience right that's the brand you should be focused on is okay when at this stage when they don't know who i am or what i'm about what are we saying to them how do i introduce myself how do I introduce the company and what we do? Cool. They agree to sit down for a call. What is that process like? You know, and then the, the process to make them feel comfortable to spend money. Right? What is that process like? Right. So really your brand is more about your core values, your core purpose, your bold beliefs, all the topics I covered in uh, how to build a brand. You dial that in and then you refine it based off the actual feedback that you're getting from your customers. And then from there, then you can start focusing on the external brand assets, right? Like the visual, the identity and all that other stuff. You know, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, right. right? Yeah. Have all that stuff. But the main thing is just start selling, start helping people. And here's the other thing I want to say about selling. You said we as veterans, we don't know how to sell ourselves. Right. And the shift for me came when I read Bob Berg's book, the go-giver. And I read this book a long time ago. And then I reread it again. And then after getting a business coach, uh, Bill Watkins, I started to get a better understanding of what he was getting at. And in the book, The Go-Giver, it's about not being a go-getter, but being a go-giver and helping people, right? And that's what a guy does. He just, the guy tells a fable, tells a story of a guy that is this really well-known salesman. And all he really does is help people. And this guy found out he was a like the best salesman and start spending time with him. And he was never selling people. He was just connecting dots here, you know, making time for people here and there and et cetera. And so I actually had Bob Berg on the transition podcast to talk about it, but you should be focusing on how can you help people? Who can you help? And part of the helping, it sounds like to me from you is educating people around the opportunities that these companies have in digital assets. Right. Right. That could be webinars. That could be presentations. You know, that could just be, you know, establishing yourself as a go to resource around these things, because a lot of times people are not going to know about this new stuff. Like for me, like I see the crypto stuff popping up. But when I'm at a gym and one of my kids is like, hey, coach, I'm about to invest in crypto. I'm like, it sounds like a gold rush to me, right. you know, just because everyone's talking about it, et cetera. So part of how you help people is you can start educating people. OK. That makes a lot of sense. And that's actually a conversation we were having about having on our uh, website, just a spot of just educational 
um, tools and components. Um, so another question that I have is you mentioned um, that core values, which is something definitely as Marines that really resonate and stick uh, uh, with us. Um, I'm wondering two things. <clears throat> so one, uh, when I looked at your website, it did not scream to me like, you know, some other veteran owned businesses where they're like our core values. And then they just have JJ did tie buckle like all the way down. Um, so my, my question is, is how do you, um, one, I think initially um, define your core values and do it in a way that is marketable or palatable to the plurality, right? And then the other part is, is during that evolution and growth process as a business, you mentioned, you know, letting your customers really help shape and polish as you define your, your brand. Um, how much of customer feedback and input are going to um, change and tweak your core values as you go along? So your core values are more so your personality. Right. So like these are the habits and the traits of you as a company. Okay. So for like our core values at my company, Ironbound Media, it's like, don't be afraid to start ugly. You know how most people try to like, you know, they try to plan this and have everything, all their T's crossed and I's dotted, et cetera. That's not really my personality. I'm more about let's get that feedback loop going sooner, better than rather than later. And we can get better as we go. Right. Okay, so that's a core value. That's my personality. I'm like a quick start. Okay. Another thing is, you know, uh, discipline equals freedom because we make a lot of content doing the transition podcast, etc. You know, so the more discipline we can get around the production side of the house, getting everything in, then it frees us up for other things. And the other thing is I run a nonprofit. So I'm very much a social entrepreneur. So lifting as we climb. This idea that like we're not the only persons on the mountaintop. We help people. We help our community in Newark. We help other veterans with our content, you know? And so that's kind of like part of our personality, it's part of our brand, right? So when you're doing your core values, this is just kind of like how you all operate as a company, you know? And it starts out like as a one-man shop, but then you start evangelizing these core values to like your team members. And you start evangelizing these core values to your clients, et cetera. Now, one of the mistakes people make though is they just try to, how do I say this? Okay. When people come to your website and nobody knows who you are, they're coming for a particular problem. Now your values are good, but your values are expressed through everything that you do. You get what I'm saying? So if you have like a nonprofit component and one of your core values is lift as we climb, then they go on your website. Can they tell you're a part of community service? Can they tell that there's a social aspect there? Right? If you say, you know, don't be afraid to start ugly, right? Are you talking about your philosophy around creating content? Like, hey, let's just get launched. Let's get better as we go. We're with you every step of the way, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really what you're going through around the core values. But more importantly, it's like your left and right lateral limits for you and your team members. Okay. So um, that's actually really great. I didn't even think of it from that uh, stamp viewpoint. Um, so one of the last questions that I have, uh, last two is, um, so we've started generating, you know, some, some positive cash flow. We have some money sitting in the bank and my comp, my right re reoccurring uh, thought process is, is anything I want to spend money on, it needs to bring more money in period. Um, 
when it comes to marketing and sales, do you think there are any um, platforms, tools that are worth investing in to spend money on? Like uh, that will, you know, maybe save time, whether it's for me or for other folks automating things, you know, um, whether it's like HubSpot or Salesforce or anything like that. I think like early stage, like you probably just don't need that. But in thinking towards the future and growing, like when do you think that it becomes a viable um, product for a, a business? Because a lot of folks, you know, as you mentioned before, you want to just jump right in the branding and marketing, right? And spend too much money on a logo and get all these uh, other cool add-on features. When, when do you think we should be looking towards that? All right. I'm glad you asked this question too, because I experienced this myself. So I launched Ironbound Media in 2020, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, like June 2020, right? Launched, profitable out the gate. We're rolling, we're rolling, we're rolling. And then right around February of 2021, February, March, I start to feel the pressure. You know, stuff was breaking, productivity. You know, I was just like, man, I can't even keep track of all the clients and everything, right? So I go to my business coach. And, you know, I was explaining about like what I was struggling with. And he's like, you shouldn't be worrying about that. Find somebody else who can do it for you. So I said, okay, you know, I end up bringing on some process consultants to kind of really help me think through how to get our systems optimized. It could be more efficient. But the problem was it added more work on my plate that I just wasn't getting done. And then in addition to that, I was, it was a distraction because I took my foot off the gas. So I start taking my break off the gas, whatever. And at a certain point, I was just overwhelmed. Now I had to fill out all these processes and stuff, whatever. And I said, all right, I need to need to get some clarity again. So I ended up stopped focusing on that and said, okay, I, I'm not going to do the process stuff yet. We're just going to keep pushing. So then last year, around probably the end of the summer, like October or so, bang, I got us back to where we were, you know, where stuff is breaking, you're onboarding more and more clients, whatever. And instead of uh, bringing on processes and focusing on that, I took the margin I made and I invested it in marketing and branding. And I launched a podcast. I shot some videos and we just, boom, we just kept pushing, right? Now stuff starts breaking, et cetera. But I was able to basically bring on more team members to help fill some of the gaps once, you know, with the extra margin that I was generating. So what I'm going to say is this, and I didn't know this at the time, which is why I'm a big proponent of listening to that podcast I did with Michelle Warner on the five stages of business growth. We as entrepreneurs make the mistake of jumping the phases. So stage one is validate. Stage two is sales. That's that recurring monthly revenue. Stage three is foundation. Then stage four is expand. And stage five is multiply. And you're not supposed to move to the next stage until you get a solid foot in. So most small business owners and early stage entrepreneurs, we try to go from validate straight to foundation without getting the monthly recurring revenue. And your foundation is your team members, it's the process, et cetera. The main thing you want to get going is like, I know without a doubt we can bring in X number of money month over month. Right. And until you get to that point of sustainability, you're really pouring the fuel on marketing. Now I'm speaking, like I'm going through this process. Now I looked at my credit card statement. I was like, damn, how am I spending so much money? Right. But I was just talking to another entrepreneur, Mike Lloyd, uh, from Dope Coffee, and it's just part of growth. You know, when you start going through growth phases, you want to, you got to spend a little money. But for me, it's like when you get a really strong target market, 
you know who your perfect customer is, you've got revenue rolling, right? Really attack it, you know, and get after it and then start to learn and then you refine that branding. So going back to what I said before, I thought my perfect customer was incubators and accelerators. Right. I didn't realize that my perfect customer was working with veteran owned brands and organizations. And so now that I know that, right, you refine your offering and I can speak a certain way. There's a certain language. Like I just feel like I can be myself in my marketing and branding material. So what you don't want to have is you don't want to be positioning yourself to solve a problem for a group of people that aren't your perfect customer right. and that can't afford what you do. Okay. So how do, how do you, so I have a, one of my partners in one of my ventures um, keeps, he has these, this dream, this vision, right? And um, I feel like it's not in the right order of operations, but there is potential for it to generate revenue. Not as much revenue as I would like, but there's potential, right? And I think that's what any investment is when you're investing, right? You're putting money into hope that you get more out. How do you, is there a formula or a process or like, how do you think through that when deciding to pull the trigger? You know, is this worth me focusing and pivoting, whether it's investing money, time, energy, my focus is, how do you like, make that factor or what are the factors you use to determine whether or not it's worth it? So this is my perspective, right? And I am a bootstrapped entrepreneur. So full transparency, right? And again, for our listeners, we want you to help us with these questions. You know, let us know your feedback on this episode, because listen, I don't have all the guidance in the world. I'm just sharing my advice. Here's what I will tell you, right? Is this generating revenue? Yes or no. Okay. And then is it generating more revenue than what we're doing now? So back to 2020, I'm teaching virtual boxing classes online because I had a for-profit of Ironbound Boxing around corporate wellness. And I thought that there was opportunity to me to get in the media, particularly around podcast production. And so before I exited out of virtual boxing, I started to generate revenue on the production side of the house with the podcast. And once I got up to a certain point, then I felt comfortable enough to make that exit. So what you want to make sure is that you're not distracting yourself. So if, if I would say like, hey, if you really think it's a good idea, go out and close a bunch of deals on it. Right. And if you're closing deals and you're getting a really strong like market pool, like there's a really there's a real strong demand for this. Then you all can decide whether or not like, hey, should we focus our time, effort and attention on this? But like right now and for so many of us listening to the show, we're early stage founders. You know, like people told me that I shouldn't do two ventures. And I understand why now it wasn't it wasn't an issue when you were younger and you're just hopes and dreams. But once start taking off. Right. There is a little give and take. But for everyone, I'm telling you, man, focus, 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 get really good at doing one or two things really, really well in your business and let that like drive it, just drive it, just drive it, just punch it. Because if you're already getting distracted and you're still not at like the kind of revenue point that you want to be at yet, then you're, you're not really setting yourself up for success. Okay. Awesome. Um, so one of, one of the last questions I have, and I asked this of quite a few people, everyone um, who I admire and meet, I uh, was asked, who do you admire, look up to and um, use as like a daily, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, it's like your azimuth for whatever it is that you're doing. Right. <clears throat> 
in a sense of me as an entrepreneur or like what I'm shooting, to, what I'm shooting towards, like my North. Star. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll go first. I'll take my armor off first. Um, so you mentioned starting two ventures. I'm doing the same thing. When I was a kid, uh, athlete who I really, really admired just as much as Michael Jordan, I think, because everyone on our age group idolized Michael Jordan or looked up to him would be Deion Sanders. Why? Because Deion Sanders played football and baseball, right? He was the man. He did it all. And he uh, also does the same thing in business now. And so um, he's someone who I definitely have always looked to whenever I'm striving to do things. Um, when I was in the Marine Corps, I had you know multiple billets. I would always try to do as much as I could. So um, in terms of for you or other early stage, you know, entrepreneurs, who do you think are some people we should be looking at um, to follow? So because I produce podcasts, everyone always assumes that, oh, who's your favorite podcast? Is it Tim Ferriss? Is it Joe Rogan? Is all this other stuff. I spend about 90 percent of my podcasts listening, listening to peers, other agency owners, people that are two, three steps ahead of me. Um, that I feel like I can learn from because part of it is this, like I called it on one of my other podcasts, Roger Bannister moments. You know, nobody thought it was possible to break the four minute mile until Roger Bannister right. did. And one of the easiest ways to know that like you're on the right footing and get nourished around it is by listening and learning from peers. Right. right? And so like, even on this show, that's why this is such a powerful platform for bunker labs because you're a peer, right? You're a peer of ours in this community. You know, so we get to learn the mistakes instead or everything. I would focus on listening to peers of people in your industry. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, at the high level, you know, there are some prolific business leaders I like, like the Jim Collins of the world or, you know, the Peter Druckers, et cetera. But in just a day-to-day, -day, like, if you're an agency owner, you know, like a podcast agency, and you've got, like, 5 to 10 employees or 10 to 20, et cetera, like, I probably look up to you. You know, and I'm curious to know, like, how you got to where you are. And I listen to your podcast or, you know, uh, marketing experts and branding experts. So I listen to all these different kind of shows. Um, and there's not just one in particular. It's more of just like, hmm, I see this company. They're very similar to what I do. I wonder how they think about things or how they got to where they're at, um, how they became masters of their field, you know, um, and listen to them and learn from them. And I was just on. I'm actually going to have a guy on the podcast the transition where we're going to be going over digital marketing for veteran owned businesses. And I just listened to one of his podcasts and I was like, man, this is really valuable. And I reached out to him and we connected. So for me, it's peers, it's peers. I feel like I can learn from that are documenting their journey. They're sharing. I go back and I listen to a lot of back catalogs, which is pretty cool because you can listen to stuff from like 26, like 2012, you know, imagine a small business owner doing exactly what you're doing from like 2012. And now you get to go listen to him from back then and how he was thinking and learn from him all the way up until now. And so that's what I say is like find peers that you can learn from and uh, start engaging their content. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to do that with the transition podcast and, uh, and you, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I love uh, your show. I've been watching it for a while and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, for us to talk. Before we go, I got a couple things for you. You've been going through the VR, okay? You've, like you said, you've done all these incubators and accelerators, but yet you're still, I don't want to say yet, I didn't mean like that, but you're successful, right? You've launched, you've put revenue in the bank, and as you know, 
You go through a lot of these programs and people are not to where you're at. For our listeners that are going through a similar journey now, right? What advice would you give them to be successful in these early stages? What have you learned to be like the most beneficial to you? What have I learned? Oh man, I thought I got to ask the question. Shoot. Um, <laughs> uh, what I've learned so far is um, I'd say don't quit. Number one, um, it's being an entrepreneur is very tough. I'm very fortunate to um, uh, have a wife who fully supports me in this endeavor. And for us to be, um, you know, financially in a position where I don't have to stress too much about it. But there's definitely a lot of times when, you know, I'm second guessing what I should be doing, getting nervous, pulling the trigger on investing in equipment or hardware or something like that. Um, but it's really, really fun. And the most beneficial thing to this is with being an entrepreneur is I'm my own boss. Um, one of the previous jobs I had, I was found myself regularly in a position where I didn't feel comfortable standing up doing what Marines do and saying, this is wrong. I'm not going to be a part of it or saying it was, it was just really difficult and it weighed on, on me mentally and, uh, spiritually. Right. And, um, morally most importantly and i never want to be in that position ever again and so i decided i'm going to become an entrepreneur so i am in control of that and i don't think there's anything that um is more valuable than to be able to uh, say that go to sleep at night feeling confident in what you're doing so uh, i think the most important thing is not quitting sticking with it um getting to your goal if you fail fast then you're going to get to, to success, you know, uh, sooner rather than later. So don't quit and don't be afraid to fail. And when you fail, look to fail fast and get it out of the way. Love it, Harrison. That's great advice, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, sitting in the hot seat. We did something a little different. You know, we do do typical interviews, but, you know, I was just like, man, this would be a great opportunity because I know you have some good questions. And my intent is that, you know, people that are tuning in to this, right, they can find similar challenges through your story. And as we start to create this content, you know, we're creating it in collaboration with each other, you know, sharing lessons learned and everything. Cause I really want this to be the premier peer-to-peer -peer learning asset for members of the Barker Labs community. So thanks again for joining us. And for everyone that's tuning in, you know, please do me a favor. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, shoot me a message on Instagram at Iron Mike Stedman. But more importantly, Make sure you're getting connected with Bunker Labs. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.